Hey there everyone. Welcome to the Scott Science podcast. On this podcast, we'll be covering and discovering topics from all over the scientific world from a synthetic biology perspective. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review and follow us on Spotify. Oh, and by the way, check out the students behind this amazing podcast on our team's Instagram at @almaigem. And now, enjoy the episode. Abby and Connor here on another episode of Scott Science. We're going to be talking about amazing animals and Connor came with a couple cool articles that we're going to talk about today. So if you want to start getting into it, Connor, that'd be awesome. So one of the most groundbreaking things that we've found as far as demilitarizing uh, war-ridden areas as a human race has been realizing that animals can go through some of the processes of demining areas because minefields, they never really go away and mines don't really deactivate with age. They're made to last and they do. In Africa, it was discovered that African giant pouch rats that are roughly the size of cats can be trained to sniff out the scent of TNT and they can be used to clear these landmine ridden areas of the landmines. And so what has to be done is humans have to go through and clear out two foot paths across the landmine area and then they put the rat on a leash and then they walk it back and forth on a rope and it just runs back and forth and it clears the whole grid. The rats are taught that when they smell TNT and they alert their handlers that there is TNT there, they get a banana. And so after this, they'll continue going along. And so the rats are classically conditioned to realize that they get a reward if they find the landmines. And uh, yeah, they've, they've been doing some groundbreaking work. Yeah, which is really interesting because when you think of a rat, I don't really think of like a cute little rat that you see in this article that's wearing a cute little gold medal um, around its little uh, collar. Um, so why are we looking at rats? Like how do they detect these like landmines? So the biggest thing is that the rats can smell the TNT. So TNT gives off vapors, and so that allows the rats to be able to smell for them. Uh, the reason for why rats in particular is another interesting one, uh, because the rats live for about seven years, so you can train one of these, give it to a village, and they can keep it as a pet, and then they can also use it to clear out their area with their trained personnel. And the rats are too light to actually set off the landmines, because the landmines are going to be either anti-vehicle or they're going to be anti-personnel. So a tiny little rat isn't going to set that off. So they're in no right. risk of it. Yeah. Well, okay. So that's really cool. And I mean, and I remember you and I were talking about before this meeting started that there's also bees that do this um, in Croatia. Yeah. So Croatia during the 90s had a really long war between itself and Yugoslavia, I believe. And so during that, there's an estimated 250,000 landmines that are still left over. And they've been working on demining since the end of the war in the 90s as well. So there's still a lot of it left. And so to date, it's killed about 300 people that were specifically trying to get rid of the mines and cause countless casualties. So there is a university that realized that if you were to give a beehive a small sample of sugar that was mixed with TNT, the bees for the next 45 or so minutes will then associate the scent of TNT with sugar or uh, you know the ability to make honey off of it. So these bees can then be tagged with RFID tags or they can simply be watched as they'll congregate on top of these landmines thinking that they're going to get sugar from it. And so it's brilliant because it allows them to cover a four and a half kilometer radius. So it's massively improved compared to the pouch rats. But the problem is that the bees get rather frustrated after about 45 or 50 minutes when they consistently fly to what they think is going to be sugar. And then there's not. So you kind of have to retrain them. So and then can you go over what RFID tags are and what that means for the bee? 
if you know. So RFID tags are just, they're little radio tags. It's similar to what is, might be in a credit card or what might be in like a student ID badge, anything that you're going to tap. And so it just allows short range tracking of a small signal. And some of the other ways that they've been using, using uh, these bees is they'll use a heat sensitive camera. So they'll just mount a thermal camera and then that allows them to follow the bees with, e with ease. And then they can set it up to automatically mark where the bees land and then they can go look for uh, landmines there. Yeah. And kind of like gearing off of our landmine situation. I mean, we know that dogs can also do this, but dogs do a lot of other things. And we were talking about how dogs can um, sniff out diseases. Uh, would you be able to share a couple different things that dogs can do outside of landmine work? Oh, absolutely. So we still don't fully understand exactly how broad the ability of dogs being able to sniff things out goes, but we've got a few examples here. So in 2006, a study was done and it found that dogs could sniff out breast cancer with an 88% accuracy and lung cancer with 99% accuracy across all four stages of the disease and even in some preliminary examples. Dogs can pick out a lot of diseases from blood samples that they've been taught to with a 95% accuracy. And so it's not quite yet to the point of a lab test, but it's significantly faster. And so dogs are also able to smell malaria infections on children with 70% accuracy. And the study that was done with this off of the children's socks. So these kids were given socks to sleep with overnight, and then it was shown to the dogs the following morning, and they were able to detect with 70% accuracy. So that's massive as far as treating malaria infections, because uh, in children, that's where the you know, these uh, stores of malaria is kept. And then in 2013, there were two dogs that were trained to sniff out narcolepsy. And so in 11 out of the 12 patients from the study group, they were able to find these, uh, and they were using sweat samples as a guide of this. And so the significant part about that is they were able to detect an attack five minutes early. And then more recently, this year in 2020, dogs were taught to recognize COVID urine samples from healthy urine samples with better than chance uh, capabilities of guessing. Yeah, and this is phenomenal that animals can do this. And like you were saying, this is something that we still don't understand and researchers don't really know what chemical compounds dogs are detecting to see, you know, disease. And it is a huge hurdle for both the being able to train these dogs to disease sniff, but also really our, for our understanding too, right? Like being able to even understand how all of this works and potentially even training other animals to do the same, like we've seen with rats and bees, we can do things with that. We could potentially, there's a lot of a door that has been opened to like therapy dogs, like you were kind of saying about the narcolepsy thing, being able to detect an attack five minutes earlier than it's actually gonna happen would be phenomenal for uh, people who do have these uh, diseases that would need a therapy dog for help and things like that. So I, I think it's groundbreaking. I think in the epilepsy, it's the ability to bring uh, some autonomy back into people's lives. And a lot of people that are, you know, afflicted by narcolepsy can't drive anymore. Right. So that's one other thing that's taken from them. Whereas if you've got a dog that can detect things prior to that, it's, you know, it's amazing. You know, it, will, it would allow them to drive. The dog can signal them, hey, this is about to happen and they can stop doing that. And that's just one of the examples. Something else that we didn't touch on is that dogs are able to sniff out the scent of Parkinson's years before there are noticeable symptoms, about five years is what we're seeing. And so for that, if we can keep following on that train of study, and hopefully we can find exactly what these dogs are smelling, and we can use that for our own preliminary testings for what exactly these dogs are picking up on, and that could be revolutionary as far as treating these diseases. Oh, but, but so much potential there um, with these diseases. And like you said, with treating these diseases as well, especially in something with Parkinson's where you do want to know um, that you may, or maybe you don't, uh, but wanting to know that you have this disease ahead of time and being able to prepare for that. 
in a bunch of different realms, right? Emotionally and physically. This is all the information that we have for this news episode this week about amazing animals. Thank you, Connor, for talking about this stuff, educating me, especially about the rats and the bees and the dogs and all of the things. This is on Scott Science Podcast, and we can't wait to have you guys come back and hear another one of our episodes.